Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. The Feast of Weeks is culminated 50 days later after uh, Passover. All of a sudden there's a second experience that God has. And uh, that takes us beyond the born again experience. And it takes us into a Holy Ghost experience. So welcome to the Torah study. I'm Pastor Scott Sigmund. There's my beautiful bride Lydia Amen, and uh, we welcome you uh, by Zoom. Uh, Gerald, are we Zooming? Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Hi, everybody on Zoom, wherever you might be at. We welcome you to New Beginnings Torah Study, and uh, we're in Torah portion number 34 uh, this week, and open up the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 1. But since uh, this weekend is uh, the day of Pentecost, it's the, uh, the day of Shavuot, uh, Shavuot uh, the Feast of Weeks, we're going to spend our time together this morning uh, getting into the background, the history, and the promises that come at this appointed time. Now, it's been 50 days, as I said, since the countdown. It's really a count up, from, uh, up to 50, uh, uh, from the second day of Passover uh, until today. And it's an appointed time. And uh, in Hebrew, it's a Moedim. This Moedim, this appointed time, is when God releases special blessings from heaven directly into your life. He has a divine flow ordained for you to receive an outpouring of spiritual and financial blessing. And so we're going to get into some of those unique promises in just a few minutes uh, but how many of you are ready to receive a fresh outpouring of God's power and promises? Shout amen. And you at home on Zoom, shout amen. Amen. So, 50 days after Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, God gave Israel the Bible. And the Jewish nation was born. Very significant. And then on the 50th day, God appears to all the Jewish people, a couple million Jewish people gathered at the base of Mount Sinai, and God gave the revelation of the Bible, beginning with the Ten Commandments. And uh, then, 1,500 years later, 50 days after the resurrection, Jesus uh, uh, resurrected 50 days after God gave the Holy Spirit. And the church was born. Praise God. And in each occurrence, God planned to give His people power. Someone say power. Amen. We have more power than the devil. Say amen. And he gave us promises to sustain what he had ordained. Now that you're born again, 
God is saying, I want you filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with a revelation of my promises so that you can sustain the work I've called you to. Amen. Amen? This is what Jesus was getting at when he said in Acts chapter 1, Don't leave Jerusalem, disciples, until you receive the manifestation of the promise of God, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. Power to testify about me with great effect. I believe you're doing that today. I believe your life is a shining example of the love and power of Almighty God working in you. Come on, somebody. Pentecost is the Greek word for 50. And it's no coincidence that this number of days was chosen by the Lord. You see, 50 is God's number for Jubilee. How many of you knew that? Jubilee. Jubilee is a special time by God where uh, He gives a great outpouring of restitution, release, restoration, and redemption. How many of you could use some more redemption in your lives? Some more restitution in your lives? To be released from some debts in your life? Jubilee. And so, in God's love, in God's wisdom, in God's grace, He ordained a mini-jubilee cycle every year on His divine calendar. Every year between Passover and Pentecost, we count up those 50 days. And then on the 50th day, which is this morning, God pours out upon us a fresh anointing. Who wants stale bread? Who wants last year's anointing? Well, we'll we'll take the carryover effect. But we want a fresh anointing. Behold, God is doing a new thing. Let God do a new thing in your life today. Amen. And so this mini-jubilee blessing comes up every year at this time so that we can be refilled. And look, all you got to do is want it, desire it. But it's helpful to know it's available in the first place. If no one ever tells you, then you don't know and you can't claim and pray and expect and believe for what things God has promised to do. Now, one of the great spiritual promises at this time of Pentecost, Shavuot, comes from Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. That's us today. We're all in agreement that God is good. Amen? We're all in agreement that God has a perfect will for our lives. Amen? We're all in agreement that God wants us to walk in Holy Ghost power. Amen? So were the first disciples. And it goes on to say, as they were in that place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
Now, there is some uh, room to quibble over that translation, house. I didn't plan to do this, but it just bears repeat. The word house, if you look that up, also means temple. Uh, When you go to Israel, uh, we go to the Israel Museum, and they have a giant uh, replica of the old city that's, you know, like 50 yards wide wide and long. It's just a huge replica. And uh, everyone uh, that takes you on a tour there will show you this is the upper room. And the upper room is about a mile from the temple. And so if they were all in the upper room when this occurred, how would all the people hear them praying in tongues and 3,000 end up giving their lives to the Lord after Peter's sermon? They wouldn't have heard them. They were in the temple. As would be their custom at that time, they would have gone to the temple early in the morning for the, to begin the day of prayer, to present their first fruit offering, and it was at that place the Holy Spirit fell on the believers, and everyone around them said, what? Are these men drunk? No, they're not drunk. They're filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, as the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2 prophesied. And then Peter launched in uh, to this massive uh, anointed sermon. All these people repented, got baptized, gave their lives to the Lord, accepted Yeshua Jesus as the risen Savior. 3,000! Not a bad altar call, huh? And that uh, we've been there on the temple steps where all of that occurred. And so when it says house, and this is why we study the Jewish roots, because translators uh, have choices to make on what the words mean. When you go into your Strong's Concordance, Various words might have a dozen different meanings. And then it's up to the translator to choose. In this case, they didn't want the disciples in the temple. Even though that word in Hebrew means the temple. Uh, Because at that point, when the translations were being done, there was the Hatfield and McCoy thing going on between Christians and Jews, and Christians wanted to separate themselves uh, from anything Jewish. And uh, we don't have to get into all of that. But the good news here, a spiritual promise, is when this sound came from heaven, this rushing mighty wind, uh, it it filled uh, the place, the temple where they were seated, then appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat on each one of them. What a sight that must have been. Amen. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And to this day, Christian believers have still been uh, uh, receiving a manifestation of Acts chapter 2. How many of you are filled with the Holy Ghost and power with the evidence of praying in other tongues? That's a heavenly language. 
Amen. And as the Holy Spirit gives you the unction and you begin to pray in other tongues, all of a sudden you're praying the divine mysteries and secrets and uh, of the gospel over your life. And God will use that prayer language to direct you, empower you, and help you accomplish His perfect will. Amen? That's why it's always been so confusing and so much of a back and forth in Christian denominations because if the church suddenly, church-wide, every Baptist, every, every uh, uh, Presbyterian, every uh, uh, Charismatic, every Lutheran, every, if everybody in the church was filled with the Holy Ghost and power, we would be the people that would turn the world upside down. And in our own way, we are. That your connection with new beginnings, with the vision that Pastor Larry and Tiz have here, we are turning the world upside down. I'm glad to be a part of it. Are you? Amen. So uh, none of this was ever intended to die out. Well, the last apostle died, so all of this passed away. Uh-uh. Praise God. May God work through us right now, today, and moving forward with vision, with power, with revelation, with anointing. Claim that today, that this is the first day of the rest of your life, and we're moving forward. I don't know if the Antichrist is in the world today, but it sure seems like his crowd is out there trying to get their work done. Well, we are uh, uh, the people of God, and we're going to move forward into these last days with power and anointing and occupy with faith, with love. with mercy, with grace, with vision, with energy to fulfill the will of God. And as Acts 17, 6 says, these are the ones that are turning the world upside down. Always like that scripture. So, uh, as you know here at New Beginnings, Pentecost actually originates in the Old Testament. Pentecost didn't start in the book of Acts. Uh, God, in Leviticus 23, gave His people this biblical holiday of Pentecost called Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks, as an annual reminder on His divine calendar that something happened supernaturally between Passover and Pentecost. Amen? Now, contrary to, let's say, Lent, or Ash Wednesday, or St. Patrick's Day, more people seem to know about that kind of holiday than they do about Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating Lent or, you know, getting the ash on your forehead and, and uh, drinking green beer <laughs> in moderation. I've never done that, <laughs> don't want to do that. <laughs> And I'm just making a joke. So Lionel, thank you for laughing. <laughs> but Shavuot is an actual biblical holiday. And it commemorates the single most important event in Jewish history, the giving of the covenant of the Ten Commandments and by extension the Bible. 
The Bible was given at Mount Sinai to the Jewish people. And so the giving of the Torah uh, has always been associated with Shavuot. Uh, and what happened at Mount Sinai with the Jewish people, uh, it permanently embedded. It's like it engraved or stamped into their psyche as a nation uh, what it means to live by faith what it means to be loyal to God, what it means to have a covenant with the King of Kings, the Almighty. And so for 3,500 years, since that first Pentecost, that first Shavuot, uh, uh, the Jews have made this commitment to serving the Lord based on the Bible. Amen? Uh, This is where uh, they pledge their allegiance to the one true God and monotheism. This is where they take on all the morals of the Bible, the principles, the divine guidelines. A lot of times Christians are taught all of that is legalistic. Well, it is if you're trying to earn your way to heaven, but that's not why God gave Israel the Torah as a way to earn their way. He gave them the Torah and all those guidelines and principles and instructions as a way to build a prototype society. This is how I want my society on earth to look. And all the 613 commandments have a divine principle hidden in it that when applied, it's not legalism. Law-abiding citizenship is not legalism. Are you an American legalist because you want law and order? No. You're smart. You're wise. I like law and order. I don't want people stealing my car, carjacking me, breaking into my house. I want law and order, and I want, when I call 911, I don't want someone hanging up on me. (laughs) So, what God gave has really been the basis for Western civilization for 3,500 years. Our legal code, our moral code. And now, one of the reasons we know the Antichrist is very likely on the loose is everyone trying to undo that. They're trying to undo biblical values. They're trying to undo the moral underpinnings of a nation that was formed as one nation under God. Only two nations in the history of mankind have ever been formed as one nation under God. Israel, beginning at Mount Sinai, and America. So when we get into hating America and all these things, I wonder what the real root cause of that is. It's that the enemy, the devil, spiritually powers principalities, spiritual wickedness and hype, trying to undo what God has ordained through man. But you and I say, uh-uh, not on our watch. Amen. Right? Say amen. Get, someone get into agreement with Brother Lionel there and say amen. Come on. So, uh, what we realize here at New Beginnings... Uh, what uh, uh, we wished and were trying for Christians uh, around the world to realize through our TV and our stream and everything that we're doing is that what we're talking about today with Pentecost, Shavuot, the biblical holiday, this is the original good news. 
The good news is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the good news is also Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's all the gospel. Amen? And even though we're not raised to look at it that way, there's a movement going on around the world to begin to look at it that way. It's called the Jewish roots of Christianity. Amen? And so uh, it's a biblical reality that the giving of the Torah and all those divine principles uh, is our spiritual foundation. That's uh, the soil that everything we believe grows out of. Amen? So one could say Christianity is Jewish. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so, the very first Pentecost, as we said, 50 days after Israel came out of Egypt. And uh, God not only took Israel as a startup nation out of several, several hundred years of bondage and slavery, he, he not only set them free, He took them on a journey to show them how to live free. Two separate things. And so hopefully what we accomplish here and in the main service and all the different things that we do at New Beginnings is just not about uh, you rededicating your life at the altar every Sunday morning. If you need to do that, do that. But at some point, let's move on. I don't need to rededicate my life no, no more, Lord. I'm all in. I'm fully committed. And I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, a love for your word, a love for your people. And I want to grow and develop and mature in the things of God. And thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit to empower me to do that. Amen. Traditions within Judaism uh, teach that during the 50 days, this is a time to develop our character. It's called uh, developing the sephirot, the divine attributes. Okay, everybody, when you're born again, you get a new spiritual nature. You're a new creation. And potentially, everything that God has for your life is going to spring out from that moment. But it's potential. Right? It doesn't mean that it happens automatically. And this is where sometimes the grace message gets misunderstood. Well, there's nothing I have to do. If I'm trying to do anything to uh, 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 support the process of transformation, of growth and maturity, somehow I'm striving and striving is bad. But in reality, God needs a partner. If we're going to change and transform and become the best version of ourselves, uh, and seeing these attributes of God uh, grow in our lives, we need to be a willing partner. And there's things that we end up doing in order to show that we're a willing partner. We just don't uh, sit on our rusty dusties until Jesus comes. So this is what uh, God is showing us in these 50 days, that step one is getting set free. That's Passover. Step two is the 50-day journey, where I'm taking you on a journey to Mount Sinai, where I'm going to give you the Word, the principles, the guidelines, the instructions that show you how to live your life God's way. 
Amen? So, when, when you go back and see the original first fruit offerings at te- in the temple and tabernacle times, on Passover, uh, they would bring a barley offering. Now, barley is animal food. And so, the barley offering, uh, which is deemed anif- animal food, is symbolic of what the person's soul is like as they make their commitment to Christ. As they make their commitment to the Lord. You're starting out with a human nature. And that human nature has cravings. And it has appetites. It has desires that are unholy. Just embedded in us. But now... Jesus, come into my life. Let me have my born-again Passover experience. And bam, new creation happens instantly. But the 50-day journey to Pentecost uh, is that transformation process. We're working on divine attributes. Of course, we're working on them uh, 365 days a year. But this is the time that God accentuates that uh, on His calendar. Fifty days later, on Shavuot, Pentecost, uh, a wheat offering was given. And the wheat offering is symbolic of people food, animal food, not animal food, but people food. And so it shows that transformation from animalistic instincts to God-ordained instincts. And that's the journey we're on right now. How many of you are glad that you have a new divine nature working in you? Come on, somebody. Every believer today, if they understood that this is kind of the assembly line. Have you ever been to Krispy Kremes? On one end is a big lump of dough, and on the other end is 12 in a box. And there's a process in between. And you and I are in God's Krispy Kreme process, as it were. And boy, what a sweet life it is. Amen. Amen. So Pentecost and Shavuot are the same holiday. And in, in a sense, it speaks to the close relationship that the church and the synagogue were always meant to have. It, it's no coincidence that God names the Torah study where the Ten Commandments are given after a Gentile, after a pagan Midian priest named Jethro, Yitro in Hebrew. He's Moses' father-in-law. Moses marries into a Gentile family. There's another clue that Jews and Gentiles are meant to be together. And so, God names the first Shavuot and the Torah portion after Jethro, Yitro. And this is an example of what Paul explains in Romans 11 of being grafted in. How many of you have ever heard the term being grafted in? Yeah, we... Gentiles, we Christians, uh, we are the wild branches grafted into the olive tree, which is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's Israel. We're grafted in. Read Romans 11. 
And it's no accident that God uh, chose Jethro, Yitro, because in Hebrew, Yitro's name means to add on. Are you serious? That tells you the plan right there. Yitro, you're going to be, uh, uh, your name is going to be used for the Ten Commandments Torah portion, and your name means to add on. God is saying to the Gentile, those that were pagans, those that grew up in a pagan culture, that no longer are you foreigners or strangers, no longer are you subject to the pagan religious doctrines, you are now born again into the kingdom of God and grafted into Israel. Pretty good, huh? Amen. So, just like Yitro's name reveals an aspect of God's plan for Jew and Gentile, so does Ruth's. Um, It's no coincidence that synagogues around the world read the book of Ruth on Shavuot. Now, why out of all the books in uh, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, uh, the Tanakh, why on earth would they read the book of Ruth? Well, just think about it. Ruth is a lot like Jethro, Yitro. She's a pagan Moabite princess. And she leaves her people and joins herself to Naomi and the Jewish people. And one of the most amazing scriptures of being grafted in is in Ruth 1. Ruth 1.16. Wherever you go, this is Ruth's statement of faith. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Ruth. Her name in Hebrew means companion, means friend. And it shows once again that Jews and Gentiles were meant to be friends with one another. And then the fly got in the ointment or in your sweet tea. (laughs) Amen. We're meant to be together and understand each other's revelations to form the one new man that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 2. You know, it's fascinating to dig into Ruth's life because when you do, you learn she was a descendant of Lot. Lot. And Lot's daughter gave birth to a son, Moab. She was a Moab princess, you know, uh, centuries later. Lot was Abraham's nephew. So he was right there with the father of the faith was Lot. But they got into uh, a, a little squabble. And Lot ends up choosing a life in what city? Sodom. So he had a chance to live out his life with Abraham. You'll be my people. I'll be your people. No, I'm going to just throw all of that away and pitch my lot with Sodom. 
Moab eventually uh, turned into a nation and a very pagan, immoral nation. And they became an enemy of Israel. That's all springing out of Lot. But Ruth rises up and breaks that curse. Amen? Some of you have risen up being the only godly person in your family. You have risen up and said, for whatever reason, God has called me. He has chosen me. He has anointed me to break the curse over my family. And every day you're praying. Every day you're believing. You're interceding for your family. Calling them out of darkness and into the kingdom of God. It's what Ruth did. And she ends up being King David's great-grandma. She's part of the Messianic line. A Gentile becomes a part of the Messianic line. This is telling us this revelation for the nations. God has a national revelation. And He's communicating it through Yitro and, and Ruth. One of the deeper truths about Ruth is that if you add up, in Hebrew, each letter has a numerical value. And if you add up all the letters, the numerical value of all the letters in Ruth's name, it comes up to 606. And so, many in ancient Jewish wisdom uh, teach that when you add the seven Noahide or seven Gentile commandments that God gave to Noah after the ark to the 606 to Ruth's name, it totals 613, which is the number of commandments God gave Israel in the Torah. And so, out of that, there's a mission. Ruth, your mission is to discover the 606 missing commandments from your life. And when she grafted herself into Naomi, it launched her into a Jewish roots journey that led her into being part of the Messianic line. Amazing, isn't it? God is good. That's part of our mission here. That's why God has you here, to discover stuff like this. And to be able to understand it in just plain and simple terms and say, look, we don't hate the Jews and we don't, we're not running from our Jewish heritage. Our, our heritage in the Christian nation doesn't start in Matthew. It starts in Genesis. And because of misunderstood doctrine and false teaching, all this stuff. We, we, we've thought that everything in the Torah, everything in the Old Testament is just legalism. Stay away from it. It's stupid. It's wrong. And God sent Jesus to erase it all from our memory. No, not at all. In fact, it's just quite the opposite. When we add to our faith and our revelation into Yeshua all the biblical guidelines and values that started in Genesis, and then they add to their wisdom and knowledge the revelation of Yeshua is Messiah, bam! Ephesians 2.14, one new man time. And, and that 
uh, whole passage of Scripture ends with a promise that at that point, I am going to pour out upon you the Spirit of the living God to such an extent that, yes, indeed, the whole world will say, these are the people that are turning the world upside down. All right. So, this is a, a, a picture, what we're talking about today, is a picture of the prophetic word uh, that uh, God gave to Zechariah in Zechariah 8.23. There's many scriptures that we could get into, we only have a few more minutes, but this is a key one, Zechariah 8.23, uh, and uh, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In those days, what days? Those days, the last days. Ten men from different nations and languages of the world will clutch at the sleeve of one Jew. And they will say, please, let us walk with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Amen? And that's what you and I are doing right now. We're preparing the soil, preparing the ground, plowing the ground, so that uh, out of that ground will come a harvest. A harvest where the nations of the world will grab the hem of a Jewish man's garment, the tallit, and on the tallit corners, there's all those zitzits, those tied knots, 613 tied knots. Teach us, show us all the wisdom and the fullness of everything that God has given and help us fall in love again with the nation of Israel and the Jewish people so as a result of all of that, the Holy Ghost will come in all its power and so will the Messiah. Amen. Amen. I love this stuff. So what we're, we've just covered is a prophetic revelation for both Jewish and Christian nations. It's what you could say is a national revelation. But in addition... On all of God's uh, appointed times, and especially the three main appointed times of Passover, Resurrection, and Pentecost, Shavuot, and then in the fall on Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, there are promises that God has for every individual. So no matter what it looks like in the world, and right now in the world, things are looking ugly, <laughs> right? You know, gas just went up 50 cents in less than a week. And I'm thinking, four sixty nine a gallon? Who's in charge? <laughs> and on and on. We can give you a whole laundry list of, like, uh, Vince Lombardi once said to his Green Bay Packers, What the heck is going on out there? <laughs> But God has an individual revelation, individual promises. So even though Washington might be on a Timothy Leary trip, (laughs) we're not bound by that. We are not of this world. 
We are part of the kingdom of God and we serve Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai, Jehovah Shalom, and so, so much more. And so we can't get so caught up into what we see on the news and at the gas pump and the inflation and the thises and the thats. All of that is real. We need to pray against that and pray the blessing of God and a great awakening in America and that we come back to Bible values and not secular values out of Davos, Switzerland. Or as they're meeting this week, the Bilderberg Group. Check those guys out. So individually, there's things that you and I can do to claim the promises of God. And it will, even in a famine, we can still have harvest. Isaac sowed in a famine and still had harvest, the Bible says. And so... One of the things that we teach here at New Beginnings, God bless Pastor for uh, letting God speak to him about this, is that during Passover, Pentecost, and Sukkot, uh, these feasts of the Lord, these appointed times, are connected with the first fruit offering. In the kingdom, God does things in reverse. In the natural sense, uh, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. By faith, I believe it and then I'll see it. Amen. Two different ways of living life. Our job as believers is to get on the side of, uh, I believe it and then I'll see it. And that's what sowing and reaping does. You sow a first fruit offering, a steadca offering, your tithe in advance of your harvest. You're sowing toward what God wants to do. When you put that offering as a seed into the soil of new beginnings, you're expecting that down the road something's going to grow and flourish and create a harvest, an abundant harvest. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, overflowing harvest. And that's the promise. And it's, it's a promise right now at Pentecost. That God wants, as you're sowing your offering today on First Fruit Sunday, that there'll be, as a result, an outpouring of spiritual and financial blessing. Some of it could happen before you get home. I remember the story of the one uh, uh, gal who came, uh, I think during Passover it was, and uh, she uh, sowed, uh, she had never heard about first fruits and turned to her husband, we're going to sow a first fruit offering. I don't know what it means, but we're going to do it. And on the way home, she had entered a contest on Instagram, and on the way home, I guess she ended up winning a $16,000 RV. So some of the promises of God can manifest instantly. And other times, it just, you know, there's things that are being worked out. And your job between believing and receiving is to walk by faith. Is to walk in love. Is to take care of your father's business. And don't get your eyes on the winds and the storms and the Washington, D.C. nutcases. What the heck are you guys doing over there? (laughs) Stop it! 
Go on permanent vacation. (laughs) And so, three times a year, we come before the Lord with a first fruit offering. And with that uh, comes unique blessings. Ezekiel 44.30 says, Bring the best of your first fruits to the priest to cause a blessing to rest on your house. I want that. I need that. Amen. And so, with that in mind, let me just uh, share with you seven life-changing spiritual and financial promises that God releases and is activated as we sow our first fruits. These are things that you need to be aware of and begin to claim in your life. When, when you're praying and you're claiming and you're prophesying and you're speaking over your seed, you're keeping the buzzards off. You're watering, you're fertilizing, you're putting on miracle grow, and you're keeping the insect. It's like taking that seven out. I put a a thing of seven, the uh, bug killer, on my hose yesterday and went around my whole house just spraying everything and uh, 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 killing all the enemies that are trying to invade my house. That's what you're doing when you sow your first fruits. And the first thing that God promises is overflowing wisdom. When God gave Israel the Torah, the Bible at Mount Sinai, on the very first Shavuot, He was giving His people wisdom. Hi, grandson. Every promise, every commandment, every guideline, every principle God gives us is a pathway to blessing. It's just we need to understand how to rightly apply His Word. Number two, overflowing anointing. The first church in Jerusalem received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit 50 days after Passover. It happened when the day of Pentecost fully came. It was the day they were celebrating the giving of the Torah, and all of a sudden God gave them a new experience, the Holy Ghost. And every Pentecost from then until now is another opportunity for a fresh outpouring of God's anointing. Pray for that this morning. Number three, overflowing prosperity. Divine prosperity is one of God's major promises during Pentecost. Because God is taking us out of Egypt on a journey. It's called the journey to prosperity. He's taking us from the land of not enough Egypt to the land of more than enough, the promised land. Amen. Number four, overflowing financial blessing. It's, this is one of the most important offerings we could sow every year. It activates Proverbs 3.9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty. Someone say plenty. It's a good feeling to have plenty. Thank you, Lord. I got plenty. Plenty speaks to the 
the financial, the physical promise, the blessing of financial increase. Number five, overflowing spiritual blessing. In addition to financial blessing promised in Proverbs 3, there's also a spiritual blessing in Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of your increase, and your vats plural, will overflow with new wine. This speaks to the wisdom and the anointing and the power God is releasing into your life when the day of Pentecost fully comes. Number six, it opens the windows of heaven, does your first fruits. God promises in Malachi 3 that when you give the offerings of old, the offerings of Judah, the first fruit offerings, that I will pour you out from heaven uh, an overflowing amount of abundance and blessing. If you'll trust me, if you'll believe in me with your first fruits, I'll be Lord of the harvest for you. I'll be your Jehovah Jireh. I'll be your El Shaddai. And I'll meet every need in your life according to my riches and glory says the Lord praise God Pentecost the blessings of Pentecost and number 7 God says in Malachi 3 that's not enough opening the windows of heaven is not enough I will also rebuke the devourer Oh, we need to put God in remembrance of that, don't we? Because He is like a roaring lion seeking whom He may devour. But we rebuke the devil. We rebuke our stuff from being lost or stolen. We rebuke uh, the enemy from coming in and taking what's not his. We bind the strong man. We bind the devil. We rebuke the devourer. And we thank You, Lord, that the blessing that You're pouring out upon us is not going to be stolen and since it's a mini jubilee even though it has been stolen somewhere along the way we've all lost things may that be restored in our lives right now in the name of Jesus restitution come restoration come redemption come as the day of Pentecost has fully come in the name of our Lord amen and amen. If you receive that this morning, give the Lord a big hand clap. <laughs> Hallelujah. Happy Pentecost. Happy Shavuot.